Hey everybody, and welcome to the Wealth Effect Podcast, where we discuss methods, strategies, and tactics to protect and compound your wealth. I'm your host, Matt Fabian, and I'm here to help you create your own wealth effect. Welcome to the Wealth Effect. This is Matt Fabian. On Monday, March 20th, the weekend was packed with a lot of news of Credit Suisse being bought out by UBS. And so the banking crisis rolls on and is now spreading over to Europe. So today we are talking about how the banking crisis highlights the need for risk management. The banking crisis that began in the U.S. has now spread to Europe. Recent concerns over the solvency of Credit Suisse, Switzerland's second largest globally systemically important bank, also known as GSIB, were due in no small part due to the runs on U.S. banks. What made Credit Suisse vulnerable was that reputational and financial difficulties had plagued it over the past decade, including problems with its financial reporting, exposure to the failed companies Archegos and Greensill, and a criminal conviction over money laundering, to name a few. At the time of this, UBS has agreed to buy Credit Suisse in a $3 billion deal brokered by regulators, hearkening back to J.P. Morgan's takeover over Bear Stearns in 2008. The situation is still evolving, and in the U.S., regulators continue to monitor banks for signs of contagion. These concerns about the banking system have added to investors' numerous challenges in recent years. Over the past 12 months, investors have managed through inflation, Fed rate hikes, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and a bear market. In 2021, Many were concerned about the sustainability of the economic recovery and excessive stock market valuations. In 2020, the pandemic and nationwide shutdowns threatened the economic and financial system on top of personal health and well-being concerns. Many of these events occurred seemingly out of left field, catching investors off guard. Posted in the show notes is a chart illustrating how banking system concerns have spread to Europe. The chart shows the European versus the U.S. financial stock index going back to uh, 2008 in the financial crisis. Up until this week or last Friday, U.S. banks are still down 32% from their peak pre-global financial crisis. European banks are down 71% from their peak in the pre-global financial crisis. However, in recent weeks and months, you can see that European banks had actually done better in a relative performance basis compared to U.S. banks, that is, until last week. Also in the chart is what's called the MOVE index, which shows bond market volatility. And the MOVE index is essentially the VIX, which is the volatility index for the stock market, Uh, but for the bond market. And the move index last week shot up to around just shy of 200, which is the highest level since the global financial crisis. So while there are unique circumstances behind the failures of Credit Suisse and Silicon Valley Bank, banking crises are not as unexpected as global pandemics and military invasions. Economics is often called the dismal science because it only predicts crises after they occur. 
With the benefit of hindsight, these bank failures echo other collapses across history. Taking a broader perspective, the history, the history of financial markets is full of episodes that have been well-documented, including in the classic book, Manias, Panics, and Crashes by Charles Kinderberger. One theory is that the common thread across these episodes is the availability of money, the expansion of credit, and the eventual tightening of financial conditions. Like a sugar rush, the supply of credit and the flow of funds through the global financial system can drive asset bubbles, appreciating currencies, and risk-taking in a particular market or across entire countries. Sooner or later, however, there is a sugar crash as returns peter out, sentiment shifts, and conditions tighten. This not only occurred leading up to the 2008 housing crash and financial, financial crisis, but over countless other episodes, including the 1997 to 1998 Asian currency crisis, when the hedge fund long-term capital management required a bailout, and the savings and loan crisis from the 80s all the way through 1994, when 1,600 U.S. banks failed. A big reason for this has been that central banks have been tightening financial conditions over the past year. The next chart posted in the show notes are three of the major central banks and their balance sheets from the Federal Reserve to the ECB, the European Central Bank, and the BOJ, or the Bank of Japan. The chart shows the bank balance sheets going back to 2008. So in general, all of the bank balance sheets have ballooned over the last 15 or so years, uh, and most recently since the year 2020 in response to the pandemic. However, over the last year, all of these central banks had been reducing their balance sheet, which is essentially reducing the liquidity uh, in the financial system, which tightens monetary and tightens financial conditions. Up until about last week, the Fed had been rolling off their balance sheet, uh, but recent emergency lending programs has caused a, a, a bump up in their balance sheet. Also, the ECB is in a similar position. Same as the Bank of Japan, however, they started increasing their balance sheet again uh, in, in about the fall of 2022 when there were stress in the Bank of Japan um, and, and their bond markets. This all suggests that while banks, if failed banks are not innocent bystanders, they often involve poor risk management and excessive risk taking. They are also subject to macroeconomic trends just like any other company. When both the supply and demand for money by individuals and businesses are expanding, banks have strong incentives to extend more and more credit. As this compounds, it can lead to asset bubbles in real estate, the stock market, etc., further increasing the appetite for credit. While this can continue for longer than expected, eventually it grinds to a halt. It is no coincidence that this is all occurring just as the Fed, the ECB, and the Bank of England and Bank of Japan uh, and other monetary authorities are removing liquidity from the system by shrinking their balance sheets and raising interest rates. Coupled with lower asset prices across the broad stock market, the tech sector, and areas like cryptocurrencies, it's natural for financial stresses to build. The 
accompanying chart shows the reduction in the central bank balance sheet globally over the past year. This has partially reversed in recent weeks uh, because of the Fed and their emergency uh, support package that added billions of dollars to the balance sheet. This does not mean we'll, we will see a repeat of 2008, when the largest banks were significantly levered against what were believed to be safe assets. Today, these banks are much better capitalized and have broader deposit bases. For better or worse, regulators also have playbooks to be used at the first sign of trouble, as we've started to already see over the past several weeks. Recent developments only reinforce the need to hold diversified portfolios with proper risk management. So the next chart posted in the show notes discusses waiting for market pullbacks and how it often results in missed opportunities. So the chart shows average return between pullbacks for the stock market and then the number of days between pullbacks uh, for the stock market. And ranging from pullbacks from 1% down all the way to negative uh, 5% down. So starting with the negative 5% down, typically the stock market will perform positively by 13.1% if you're waiting for a 5% pullback. And it typically will take 291 days to uh, experience a 5% pullback. Going to a 2% pullback, the stock return, uh, stock market return is a positive 0.9% if you're waiting uh, the average time, which is 28 days. So this is a ba- basically a graphical way of being able to show the opportunity cost of sitting on the sidelines waiting for additional pullbacks. Also, balanced portfolios have already performed better this year preserving capital and benefiting from stronger bond market performance. The irony is that some investors always wait for an opportune time to invest in in the market. However, when markets temporarily fall, these same investors may hesitate to take advantage due to the nature of each market crisis. Unfortunately, this is nearly always the case since markets usually pull back for a reason that gives the investor pause. What inevitably happens is that investors miss these opportunities when markets eventually recover, forcing them to wait for the next pullback. History shows that it's better to stay invested. In that chart, it shows the waiting period for different size one-day pullbacks. For instance, an investor that waits for a 3% pullback would have to wait 68 trading days on average, missing a 2.3%. 3% gain that they would have achieved, achieved had they held on and stayed invested. These historical returns are even larger for more significant pullbacks since markets tend to rise over time. Additionally, investing does not need to be all or nothing. From dynamically adjusting asset classes based on fundamental and macroeconomic factors to implementing a dollar cost averaging strategy can help investors put money to work and manage risk over time. So while the past is no guarantee of the future, it certainly guides investors in managing risk and proactively preparing to take advantage of volatile market environments like the present. So what's the bottom line? Banking crises are nothing new, and frankly, 
are a fact of economic life throughout history. Today's banking crisis is still evolving and emphasizes the importance of diversification and risk management in one's wealth strategy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Wealth Effect Podcast. Hope you're all doing well out there and happy wealth generation. Investment advisory services are offered through Fabian Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. Nothing discussed during the show should be viewed as investment advice. Everything discussed is generic, non-specific, non-tailored information. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please reach out to us at info at fabianwm.com or call us at 925 322-2450.